What is human resources? Well, of course, it's people, but are we really treating people like real people? What have we learned from COVID that can change the way we communicate with the people within our business? In part two of my conversation with Hildy Gottlieb from Creating the Future, I'm joined by Charlotte Souch, a friend and colleague who is a HR specialist. We have a frank discussion on what's wrong with HR and how we can change that to improve our relationships and productivity. Be prepared to change your thinking. I'm Judy Selmans. Welcome to Thrivable Biz, where we talk all things to make your business thrive. Today I'm joined by my colleague Charlotte Souch and we're talking to Hildy Gottlieb for a part two. So welcome back, Hildy, to the Thrivable Biz stage. It's wonderful to be with you. Actually, you know, when we finished our last chat, we kept talking and the conversation went to your thoughts on people working from home and how we're treating people differently in our COVID world and how that will affect HR moving forward. So we decided to do this second part and given Charlotte's background in HR, I thought she'd enjoy the conversation, which is why I invited her along. So I don't know if you can remember where we were at the end of the last session about what we want to talk about. I, I think about this a lot and the importance, I mean, there's so many layers and levels of why this is important. To me, the most important part of this is that what we we like to think that when we are are acting out in the world and and being who we are that that is mostly informed by our family by our faith and that we bring that into the world the reality that i've seen is that we spend most of our time in the workplace and most of that time has rules and mm. and so what we wind up doing in fact is bringing those rules of how we engage with each other uh, from the workplace into those other realms rather than the other way around. And, and for me, the, the biggest example of that is the person who says that family is the most important thing to me, but they spend all their time at work and never see their family. Yeah. And so we, so much of what we do is rooted in how we be when we are at work. And we have this really wonderful opportunity right now when folks start to transition, whether it is right now, over the next six months, over the next year, into a post-pandemic world, what will the post-pandemic workplace look like? What have we learned? What are some of the things we actually want to continue from what it was like when we were sheltering in place and, and staying at home and working from home? It's not just, oh, we can do more work remotely. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's the easy part. But, but what are we learning about how we want to be with each other uh, once this thing is over? I mean, I guess this is even a conversation for you and Charlotte, because I'm, I'm, I'm not the HR expert here, but it, what systems would need to be in place in a HR perspective to make it more inclusive, make it, you know, us think about our workmates, colleagues, staff, team, whatever you, yeah, how, whatever relationship they are. No, it starts at the very, very beginning, I think. I think that when we are 
when we're rethinking, we tend to rethink a little tweak here or a little adjustment there. We, we tend to adjust the, the actions that we take, the doing, rather than, <clears throat> pardon me, the thinking that goes into that, uh, the assumptions that we have. And in, in my experience, HR, we call it human resources. It, it's generally not particularly to be a resource to the humans in the company. It's, it is generally to be a resource for the company on how to deal with the fact that, oh no, we have to have humans here. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and it's that thinking, it's what if the entire purpose for human resources was actually to bring out the very, very best in every person, rather than to assume that at some point you're going to mess up. And so here's how we're going to try and prevent you from messing up. Here's what the process will be if you do mess up. And here's the consequences. And, and that tends to be more of what traditional, there's, there's wonderful um, innovations going on in human resources now. But those are the outliers. Those aren't the norm. What if the norm of human resources was to assume our whole job is to absolutely bring out the best in our employees? And what what might that look like? How might that change? Yeah, I love that. I think it, it, thinking about the possibilities um, and what environment you want to create for people and why you want to do that. So, you know, why is that important at work? And I think exactly as you say, you know, that's not, it's certainly not been my experience when I've been working in HR and I it, it's funny when you talk about human resources because I actually really dislike strongly the words human resources I think that's an, another conversation maybe I think it, it's just seeing a human as a resource and something and exactly like you said it's something to be corralled and something to how can we you know um, put some boundaries and rules and processes around this human so that we get, um, you know, so that we kind of corral them and make them work how we want them to work or, or there's sort of more of a that aspect to it. So I suppose that's more, more why it's sort of, I don't know, there's something about it. You know, so I was going to tell you, sitting here from a slightly outside position, this is quite exciting because it, and I was pleased to hear that, that um, Hildy, there are some innovations happening in the HR sector, but maybe there's some exciting lessons to be learned and that we just need people to take this on board and it'll just take a thought leader to get this out there and, and set up a program. But, you know, I think would it be fair to say that most, you know, business operators who, who form a company and then they grow organically a large amount to a degree and they bring on staff and, and it's, the, the management of it is probably their biggest stress. I mean, I remember when I've had retail businesses and I could honestly tell you that if I could have survived without staff, I would have been a much happier person. <laughs> but, and, and I think that's because I didn't have a background in it. I had no idea. And you, you, you're taught by a rule book. So how do we change this? How, how can we do this? In our experience, everything changes when we change the questions that we were asking. Um, some of some of the most innovative questions, everyone these days, because we're all working from home, everyone is using Zoom. And Zoom is a relatively new company. 
and you know they're, they're certainly not an, an an IBM or a Google. They they've been around for a relatively short amount of time, and when they were first growing, this is this is way before the the massive expansion due to the pandemic. This is three four years ago or so. When they were first growing, I wound up having a a delightful um, relationship with the CEO Eric Wan, and Eric always started the company by saying, our goal is to deliver happiness. And their values were so deeply rooted in that goal of delivering happiness. And his main concern when the company was growing from 200 people to, oh my gosh, we're going to be 2000 people and goodness knows how many they have right now, was what will it take for the values that, the, uh, that were so successful for us in the startup to continue to rule our work. What will it take if we're scaling from 200 to 2000 people to make sure that our values are at the heart of what we do and how we be with each other? That, that is a question that, whoa, okay, <laughs> let's play with that. Let's see what our values look like in customer relations. Let's look what our values look like in marketing. What do our values look like in especially human resources? And, and so it's a very different question guiding rather than how can we make sure we get the most out of people? How can we make yeah. sure that they don't cheat? How can we make sure they don't steal office supplies? <laughs> you know, those, those yeah. are the things that we worry about yeah. rather it's than so how it's do we make sure that our values stay in place? They spread through. But I think, I don't know, my experience wasn't necessarily or hasn't been, Hildy, that that's something at the forefront of leaders' minds in terms of um, they've got their minds on so many other things, you know, the finances and the strategy and the growth and the, um, <clears throat> how to all, you know, sometimes just how to, just keeping stakeholders happy. And that's not central. So to, so to hear that, you know, that was central in that. It just, yeah, it's really exciting if that could become more than norm, you know. And I've been in organisations where values discussions have been more of a tick box. So I think, um, <laughs> you know, you, like we've got to do our values and our purpose and we've got to sit down in a room and sort of get round and, and it's kind of this mishmash of what everyone thinks and we try and pull it together. Um, and then they kind of get a bit filed and every now and then you might look at them or they may even go up on the wall. But that, I think that's, that's just a really different way. And, and again, it really does have to come from leadership and a leadership with heart. And yeah. I think that's a real key starting point. So, yeah, that's, that's really a cool example to hear you talk about that. Yeah, and good on Zoom for, for, for doing that, actually. One of the uh, – another podcast guest we had was Joanna Brandy, who's a – happiness consultant and and so she works with teams to bring back happiness which mm. <laughs> it seems so sad that we actually have to work on that but it, but at the same time exciting that that's becoming a, a bigger and uh, more accepted foundation oh goodness yes you know and in so many different examples i mean before the pandemic we had examples like uh, the company, the outdoor company Patagonia. Uh, we had examples like Netflix. And some of the things that you hear about those companies is that they do not have any limits on uh, time off, on vacation time. And 
what you would think is, oh, people just take all the time off and they never work. Well, it winds up that with companies that give you as much time as you need to be the full human that makes you productive at work, the one problem that they found, and I believe this was Patagonia, is that they had to put a lock on the door and not give folks the code so they wouldn't come in over the weekends. <laughs> and that's what winds up happening. I mean, it's just so funny. We have, we make these assumptions, people will cheat. Mm -hmm. And those assumptions are not based in reality. It, it's like like values and leadership and, and the purpose of, a, of, of at the heart of a company are no longer driving the company that really what's leading the company is fear and and fear of each other and and how how ridiculous you know i know that i'll be honest but i probably can't trust you <laughs> mm. and, you know and so it's, it's just such a very very different we frequently talk at, at creating the future of the organization that i'm with we f frequently talk about values as a verb that values are only good when they're put into action and if you're not naming, you know, I, I loved how you said, Charlotte, that 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 code of values may even wind up on the wall, but that's that's about as far as it will get. And and how many how many companies do we know, big companies that have been involved in international scandals, and their values were integrity and honesty and respect and so so clearly unless you are putting those values in action they're not really values they're just as you said something you would put up in the wall in the lobby but mm -hmm. but what does it look like if we actually live respect for each other what does that even mean what does that look like in action those are the kinds of questions that take it from just a word that we throw out to what does integrity really mean what does integrity really look like what does it look like for the receptionist when we walk in? What does it look like for the janitor? What does it look like for the CEO? What does integrity mean in those cases? And when we start to look at it through the lens of, oh, this, this is what we do and how we act our values, those are different kinds of questions that can help lead you to different kinds of answers. Mm. I, uh, I have to say I'm quite, obviously this movement of, you know, being happier at work and being human-centered, human resources is, uh, is is something that's been happening well before COVID, but um, may, I, hopefully it's being exacerbated at this stage. Are there, from my HR experts, for business owners listening and going, you know, I want to I want to come back and and do things differently. How do you change something that's already in place? That's the easy part. Oh, good. <laughs> it really is because it, the first thing is is realizing that probably if you've got systems that aren't making you happy as the owner, they're certainly not making anybody else happy. And so to pull people together, it, it is so much a matter of working with people rather than working at them or to them or for them. Um, bringing people together and having them answer those questions. What makes you the most productive at work? When are you at your absolute best? What resources can we provide to you to make sure you are at your best? People will come up with incredible, incredible answers if we trust them. Yeah. And of course, it, it makes you if, you, if you're running a company like that that's inclusive, then people are going to want to work for you. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, in New Zealand before COVID, we had a huge shortage of staff, um, skilled and unskilled. It was hopeless. And I don't think that's actually changed because our economy is booming at the moment while the rest of the world apparently is having some challenges. We don't know about any of that here. But um, it's crazy, crazy stuff here at the moment. But, you know, but if you need to hang on to staff and you value them because the cost of replacing them is seriously high, it just seems so counterproductive to me. Yeah, and I think, just jump in there, I think the word, like the concept of valuing people and valuing the whole person, you know, these, these are people with whole lives. And I remember um, actually in my in my HR career, and I actually got into HR because I wanted to make organisations a great place for people to come and be and thrive and be, be able to be themselves. And um, sort of found out a little bit along the way that it wasn't quite what HR did, actually. I was a little bit naive going into it. But I think, and one of the things that's a strength for me is my empathy. And I think um, it almost felt like a little bit of a weakness in HR. Mm-hmm. That's what it became because I kind of felt like there wasn't time for it. There's so many rules and processes and transactions and reactions that you have to do and people issues all the time or whatever it was, and um, that my empathy or getting drawn into things or feeling for the person that was across the table from me that I may have been in a disciplinary process or something, you know, was actually kind of a liability. So I don't know what you think about that, Hildy, in terms of empathy and compassion for the whole person and how that plays out in in organisations. And I, I don't know, what are you seeing? Like, I almost feel like people are a little bit scared that that's going down this path of like, oh, that's this... We can't be too that way, you know. That that's a bit risky. Is uh, isn't it horrible to be risky of being kind? To you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm just so so heartbroken to think of of. I, I love that you chose the word empathy because it is heartbreaking to think that the place that we spend most of our time is intentionally devoid of empathy. Mm. Uh, that that just is hard if you think about it. And one of the things that we're all noticing in in the 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 pandemic world in the, in the current world of of working online and especially folks who work internationally and and folks are concerned about other people and yeah. really truly concerned. And when we would normally have staff meetings uh, before the pandemic, before COVID, um, the the watchword has always been that we got to get down to business and we've got to value people's time. And if, if it's 20 minutes, that might be too long and, and 30 minutes and no one's going to have patience for more than that. So we've got to right, get down to business, which means there's no time for getting to know each other. There's no time for building trust. There's mm-hmm. no time for all of putting the things in place that make a harmonious workplace. But when the pandemic struck, the first thing people are asking is, how is everybody doing? And, and you're seeing people's, you know, uh, my favorite thing these days is if you watch newscasters who are actually still quarantined and at home, and they're being very serious about delivering the news, and then suddenly their three-year-old walks in, <laughs> yeah. or their dog walks in. These are human beings. And, and <laughs> We, we enjoy seeing the human in each other. And people are starting meetings by going around and saying, how is everyone in your family and what's been going on? And, and 
folks are getting to know each other in very different ways than what we are used to. And can you imagine if every staff meeting, these are such tiny things we can do. You know, Judy, you asked, how can, how can you change something that's already in place? Changing the questions we ask is something that some everyone can do. You do not need positional authority to change the culture in a workplace. You by changing the questions that we ask, can we just take a couple of minutes at the staff meeting and touch base with each other? Because we'd really like to build the trust that it's going to take for this team to work forward, to move forward. Who would say, oh no, building trust would be a waste of time? We would yeah. much rather hire a team building firm for thousands of dollars to make up for the fact that we don't trust each other yeah. rather than building just five minutes into our staff meeting to, to go around and, and ask how folks are doing. I mean, they're simple things. Mm. Yes, it's not rocket science, is it? Really, they really, <laughs> uh, you know, I think so many people think that this whole thing is really, really complicated, but it's, I, I, what I really love about the, the newscasters example, just to pop back to that in my head is that, you know, after I've worked in the media a lot in my career and, you know, in my early days in the media, you were, you know, you were a celebrity, even if you were the receptionist, you were a celebrity because you worked in the media and it was like the secret place. And, and we'd, you know, we'd open the doors and invite people in occasionally and they'd come in and they'd go, oh, wow, look what goes on behind the scenes. But you know what, I think actually, even for a newscaster, what's really cool about this is it's humanizing them. It's humanizing the media. It's, it's humanizing everybody that all of us, you know, we used to look at influencers and go and celebrities and go, oh, they must live a really special life. Well, then it turns out actually they're just having as many problems as we are and they're normal, you know, and same could be said for, for business leaders, for every single person, you are still a normal human being with your same emotional challenges and issues that you're going through. And I think, yes, the, the word empathy and and I think is going, I hope is going to be the, the new direction that so many of us have to go because that's going to be the norm. That, that would be an, an amazing place to work. Can't you, can't you just see that? Yeah, I can. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's shift. It is shifting already, isn't it? That's, I mean, I, I'm really talking, you know, being more, more my background, but as we're talking, you know, it's, it, and as you say, particularly with COVID, it's just put this big spotlight and for whatever reason, that has been a real positive to start seeing and long may it continue, you know, yeah. hopefully that's, that really is the start of a big shift. Yeah. It's been so interesting. One of the things about the organization creating the future is that we see ourselves as an experiment. We see ourselves as a ground for experimenting. What happens when we change the questions we are so accustomed to asking and, and instill questions that bring out the best in people? And one of the things that, that we've done is, is because we're an experiment and the only way that everyone is going to learn together is if we are open about what we are experimenting with, we have all of our board meetings and we are a, a nonprofit and not-for-profit. All of our board meetings and all of our strategy meetings are open for anyone to watch or anyone to actually participate in. So you all could be part of one of our board meetings one day. Um, and if you were to watch, they're all recorded and they're all at our website. And if you were to watch any of our meetings, 
you would see two things that are so ingrained in the culture at Creating the Future that we actually, whether it's a recorded meeting or not, this is how we start and this is how we finish. We begin every meeting by asking pretty much two questions. And the first question is, how are you? What is going on in your world? Are you okay? What are you bringing into the room? What's, you know, we, we, we talk so much about leaving our baggage at the door and the only way, you can't leave your baggage at the door. Your baggage is your person, is, is who you are. So if you're having a horrible day or something horrible is going on at home, how are you supposed to leave that out? No, what happens if you bring that in and tell everybody, I got no sleep last night. My daughter has been sick. I have been up all night long. I'm really sorry if I'm very quiet or if I tend to be snappy. I'm really sorry. I just need you all to know. Well, those are the things that we absolutely don't say at the workplace, right? Yeah. We don't bring that into a staff. But, but if you did, you'd know, oh, wow, okay. So that's why Susan has been so snippy today. It's yeah. not she hates me. It's not she thinks this is a bad idea. It's because she's got something going. I mean, there's just that, that little basic thing. And then the second mm -hmm. question that we ask is what has been exciting or meaningful to you since we last met? And we That's hear, a lovely question. We hear about kids, people's dogs, and we hear about someone lives on a lake and there's ducks out their window right now, or we hear about some really difficult things. My mom has been sick and I've been caring for her. But it, it, again, it's this way of building relationship. That whole thing could take just five minutes. It could take maybe 10 minutes. And, and isn't that an investment? In, in that workplace camaraderie, in that trust, in, in, in building, in walking the talk of your values. That is a start and you hear those threads. It's so fun for us because suddenly about an hour into a meeting, a strategy meeting, you'll hear, you know, I was thinking about the fact that Susan said that she's got ducks on the lake in her backyard. And that's got me thinking about, it's just so incredible how it, how it sparks you. You know, we're bringing that creativity and bringing, bringing that whole person as you, you two have been talking so much about, bringing that whole person into the room. At the end of our meetings, what you will hear, and again, it doesn't matter whether it's a staff meeting or whether it is a huge strategy meeting, you will hear us set 10 minutes aside, maybe more, depending on the topic, and ask for reflection. What is standing out to you from the meeting? What, what do you wish we had talked about that we didn't? And, and all of those sort of, okay, coming, coming back to learning from each other, the, the giving each other voice, uh, sharing with each other. And it, it's so wonderful to give people the opportunity to say, you know, I really had hoped we were gonna talk about X and we did not have a chance to talk about it. And I'm a little bit disappointed and the ability to go, oh, wow. We'll make sure that next time we start with that. It, what we find is that so many people leave meetings and then they grumble and they moan and they say, oh, you know, we were supposed to talk about X, but we didn't talk about it because Mary never wants to talk about it. And, you know, <laughs> instead of giving time at the end of the meeting to actually share what we're feeling. So these simple things that we can instill into how we be in the workplace that we're sort of kind of doing a little bit of during COVID because we really care and want to know how each other is doing. Yeah, I really love that. And I was just thinking, as you're saying that, Hildy, that, you know, those 
questions that you ask up front, you know, in, in meetings and um, checking in with people and asking how they are or, or the significant things that have been going on. And straight away, you know, if you get to be, you know, saying how you are and, and feel valued that she's someone who cares and you start, you know, being able to be real before you kick into the hard, you know, the hard stuff or the work or, um, then you, you straight away you sort of relax and you get into that um, zone of being able to be, you know, who you are and not spend all this energy, think kind of half your brain's thinking I'm exhausted and my dad's sick and what, what's going on for me, but I've got to actually put, push that aside. Actually, that, that takes a lot of energy to, um, to keep that part of yourself almost separate or, or sort of pretend and try and that other part of your brain into gear. So what that does is sort of integrating that whole person and, and you're actually going to be more creative and be, bring more of yourself to the table. So it's mm. so simple, but so cool. That's, that's, that's a beautiful way of putting it, Charlotte. It's a beautiful way of putting it. It, it really helps you transition. You know, we, we slide into meetings, right? We've got this, this project we're working on. We just got off the phone. We, we, we lost track of time. We jam into the room and we sit mm. down and we're suddenly supposed to leave all that behind. And, yeah. and, and what you're really emphasizing is that, that this gives room for a transition. Mm -hmm. It, it gives room for, okay, that's all the stuff that I was. So, so when we ask, how are you? What's going on? That person has the opportunity to say, oh, I lost track of time and I am so busy with this project and I'm feeling so jammed up that I, I, I can't fit one more thing in my brain and, and, and they can breathe and, mm -hmm. and the group go, oh, wow. Yeah. That project is really big. And they might even say, would you rather go back to your desk and finish that and we can catch you up? I mean, I, I love how you're talking about that, Charlotte, because it really does allow for that, that human transition from before the meeting to come into the meeting. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, actually, while you're both chatting and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's no, uh, somewhat digressing, but because I think so many times business operators and even team, even if they've got that part right, they forget that customers are sort of part of that team as well. <laughs> and and we've got an opportunity. And then, you know, so I have a bit of a bugbear, which, you know, those who will listen to the podcast regularly will get to no doubt here. But it's like this, you know, with that when we're talking to our customers, we treat them like a robotic thing, you know. So there's no warm and friendlies. There's no get to know them to really understand them first. It's just like, here it is, it's a transaction, get it over and done with. And so I, as I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh, could you imagine a company that had not only this environment as a team, but did it for their customers as well and made their customers feel like they were actually, you know, we in, in what we do, we call it give your customer a seat at the board table, you know, mm -hmm. in the meeting basically. I just keep thinking there's just something really exciting on the precipice of, of, of evolving. And I, I'm sure there are companies that do it, but it's not enough, unfortunately. <laughs> I had a wonderful experience this week. I, um, I, I wanted to make an international call with my cell phone. And uh, normally I use Zoom. I, I am, I'm online all the time. And, and use that for making calls. 
but I was out and about and I wanted to make an international call to the UK with my cell phone and I, it wasn't working. And so I called my cell phone carrier and I said, I just want to know, does my plan include international calls? And he looked and he said, no, he said, you know, if, if it were another $15 a month, if you make a lot of international calls, it's like, yeah, I'm running errands. I happen to want to make this call. I don't want $15 a month. But he said, you know, it would be $15 a month. We could add international calls. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. And at the end of the call, he said, but you know, if all you're doing is making a call every once in a while, you could just use WhatsApp. Any app on your phone. And I was like, wow, you're treating me like a human. You're, you're not trying to sell me this $15 service. You're telling me you could just use WhatsApp, which of course is what I was going to do anyway. And, and I said, well, thank you. That is very kind. And he said, and, and ma'am, I said, yeah. He said, please remember to enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, <laughs> my breath away. It just was, was so beautiful. And, and it, it reminded me, Judy, of years ago, I was on a, a committee for something in my community. I don't remember what it was. It was a government committee. And there was a, a gentleman who had been in the military I think he had been an, an Air Force commander. So he was very high up in, in, the, in the military. And he, he said something that has stuck with me. It's got to be 20 years. He hmm. said that in under his command, now we're so used to, you walk into a government office or, or especially a big company or a government office, and you know that they are their their job is to tell you no, pretty much. You know, here's what I would like to do. I go into a government office. Here's what I'd like to do with my house. And I may need to get a variance on on the law, on the regulations, but I'd like to put a fence up and and I just want to make sure that what I'm doing is legal. And the the person behind the counter, pretty much their job is to tell you why you can't do what you want to do. Yeah. And here's what the law is, and here's what the rules are. And what this gentleman said was under his command, you needed permission to say no. And so often we are used to the person at the counter, the person that, that we encounter when we first come up to customer service. We are so used to having to ask, well, they, they wind up saying, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to ask my supervisor. I don't have the authority to do this. Um, you really can't do this, but if if we are going to do this, I, I really don't have the authority. I'm going to have to ask somebody else. And he completely turned that around. And he said, you only have permission to say yes, and you have to ask for permission to say no. And I thought that was just such a, another brilliant way of looking at it yeah. in terms of customer service, is that your job is to say yes. Yes. No, I... I... <laughs> I'm sorry, saying yes. Um, it's, it, it's, it's actually, again, it's this, um, I think you're right, it's this concept that you don't trust the staff to make a judgment call. And if they're a call centre staff, for example, you, you just give them very strict guidelines. They've probably even got a script. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and beyond that, there's not much leeway. But by just allowing them to be, otherwise you might as well put a bot in there. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> you know, so so giving them that freedom empowers them as an individual, like it did with your telco call. Which, by the way, is very nice to have a bit of a positive story on telcos. They do right. a bit of a 
and and I'm sorry to say, in my experience, deservedly. Um, so it's yeah. So that's really that's that's positive. But just a simple change of attitude from the leadership. We have seen it. Actually, it was something that happened early on in the growth of our own organization. You know, any company starts small. It starts with with the founder of the company, and then it grows and it grows. And as as you mentioned earlier, um, as it grows, you add more people, and you're like, oh, what do I do with all these people? <laughs> and you didn't realize I was going to have to manage and be with people. And so we wind up with all of these rules and, and creating the future was similar. We were going to hire, this was years ago, we were going to hire our first staff person who was not the founder. Mm. Uh, very, very early on, very early on. And uh, because we're a not-for-profit, we have a board of directors. And so we were asking the board um, some really basic questions. We were talking about employee evaluation and employee policies. And, and do we want to, you know, what kinds of policies do we want to have for our employees, especially when our whole purpose is around bringing out the best in people. And it was so remarkable what we came to through conversation was that in every case we thought we wanted to have a policy, we would have a conversation. And wow that the conversation would be rooted in what will bring out the best in this employee. We started to talk about employee evaluations and you know, generally that happens every six months or every year. And you have a standard script from HR of what that evaluation is going to entail. And what we chose to do instead was to ask uh, almost monthly and to make it so that you did not have to have an evaluation. You did not have to have an employee review because you were in such close communication with your employees that you knew what they needed and they knew what you needed. And, and to build that trust and to, when you're asking the questions that you might ask in a review, to say, how are you feeling about what you're working on right now? What would excite you more? What would bring out the best in you? What talents do you have that you wish we were asking you to apply? And just those kinds of questions that you can constantly be nurturing your employees and bringing out the best in them rather than that, that, that checklist that we're, we're ticking the boxes of, of you know, did you live up to our expectations? You know, one of my favorite questions is, did we live up to your expectations? Wow. Yeah, that's very cool. I think, and, and imagine, you know, the what can be unleashed from those seemingly simple questions that perhaps, you know, no, I've never been asked that at work, I don't think. <laughs> well, and, and, and sometimes we're afraid to ask because we're afraid that that person is going to leave if we don't have what is good for them. And mm. guess what? That person is going to leave anyway. So, I mean, if, if you don't have in place what is going to bring that person joy, is going to bring them fulfillment, is going to bring out the best in them, they're looking for someplace else to go. Yeah, they're probably better off somewhere else if, right? if you really can't deliver that for them. Right. And so, yeah. so, so we delude ourselves. And again, you know, my, my talking about the fact that, that fear runs so much of what we do in, in organizations and companies, that, that, that we we deceive ourselves into thinking that that if sort of like when a marriage goes bad and we think if we if we sort of 
put our fingers in our ears and go la 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 la, then then the marriage won't go bad. Well, you know, it's going bad. And so we don't have to be afraid of it if we just step into it and say, how are you doing? What what would make you more productive? And if that company doesn't have it to be honest and, and in that relationship and say, what can we do in the, you know, obviously if you want to find something else, can we help you? What can we do to prepare you so that, that you are the best you are while you're here? And we've seen circumstances where those questions were asked and the person was so excited that they were asked, they stayed two years beyond what they thought they were going to. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a really important point, all of this discussion, because so many businesses accept that it costs them a small fortune to have someone trained up and get them up to speed. They understand that their lack of productivity during the first whatever period is 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 below and, and if they leave me and I've put all this vested effort in, I've trained them and all the rest of it. That that's if I think back to it, that's when I when I've managed bigger teams and stuff, it's probably the underlying fear that you as a leader or a business owner has. But you're right, if you just have the conversation and make them feel more included in the whole process that, yeah, or they are going to leave anyway and there's not much you can do about it. So, Yeah, I was thinking too um, about engagement surveys while we were just talking about that and, and actually almost, you know, those questions that you, you can ask that you're talking about, Hildy, and how they almost, um, you know, the organisations that I the government agencies I worked with for many years and would do uh, big annual engagement surveys and so much money was spent on it and time and effort trying to get everybody to answer this, these questions about how engaged they were or what that, you know. Um, actually, more, more recently, I know there's a lot more technology available and it's more about um, in the moment and pulse surveys, but, uh, you know, that went on for many years and, and it was about then all this data showing how disengaged people were and we'd trawl <laughs> over it for you know ages and pick it apart and look at which teams were the most disengaged oh, and then shit. often HR you know <laughs> have to be called in to have this awful conversation with these people staring at me very grumpy and trying to sort, of sort out their problems and I'm just thinking about how really it's just what you're talking about is just completely flipping that and going what you know what would excite you what do we what do we want to create in this organization for how people want to feel and um you know how much we want to trust them and those what's possible questions and and move from there when we spend so much time mired in all these kind of all these problems so it's 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 yeah i was just thinking about that oh and you you are reminding me we did a a demonstration project with uh, one of the states here in the United States. We were working with their Department of Education, and they were the the superintendent of education, the gentleman who headed the education department for the whole state, was quite forward thinking, and he understood that they had a problem internally with the culture inside the department. They wanted to do something to to address. The, the climate and the culture within the department, which was a, a wonderful sentiment. And they wanted to include that in their annual plan. So it wasn't just a little thing. They really wanted to embed uh, a, a, a culture that brought out the best in people into their, their way of being. 
and he had wanted to start with a survey. And that's why I'm smiling as, <laughs> as, you're, as, as you're chatting. And he said, well, you know, we could just ask, what, what problems are you having with the culture? And, and he said, does that sound like a good start? I'm trying very hard not to say that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, and I, I, don't, I can't guarantee that maybe I didn't say that. <laughs> but I said, well, you know, if I were to ask you right now, what are the problems with the culture within the organization right now, what would you say? And he listed some things. I said, do you think they're going to say anything different than that? And he said, well, no. I said, so if we could name what the problems are right now, why are we asking them? Is this lip service to make them feel included? And, mm. and what we started to craft instead was listening sessions. And um, he actually started to call it coffee with the chief. And he would open his doors. And the first question that they would ask, and they did this in some surveys also, understanding, and this is, this is, is so key when you were talking about surveys, understanding that some people do best with surveys and some people do best with one-on-one -on -one conversations and mm -hmm. some people do best in group conversations. And so they gave them, again, being human, how do you interact as a human? They gave them all of these different options for answering. And what they asked was, what would a great culture look like here? What would a culture look like that was bringing out the best in you? And then what do you think would need to be in place for that to happen? And people were engaged. Mm -hmm. People were excited and, and they wound up doing these listening sessions. They took two months to give people the time off of work to do it. So, so set your, your, your general work aside and we're gonna have these conversations. They really dedicated themselves to, to spending the time in a very human way, in a very relationship way, um, a, a very Charlotte engaged way um, to, to ask the questions of, of you know, what, what, could, what could this workplace look like if you were as engaged as possible, if you were feeling like you really wanted to come to work? And it's just a very different, a, a very different way of doing things. And, and we don't have to be afraid of what people are going to say, because if you think people are going to say things are really bad, then they probably are really bad. So don't be afraid that people are going to say it. Let's get to it. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. What a wonderful conversation, you two. Thank you. Oh, I'm great. I think I think we need to wrap it up there only because I, I haven't. Just, we did this last time. We just and then we hung up and then we just started talking about this, which is consequently what led to part two. Um, but but this has been really enlightening, and I think personally. Uh, you know, from from our perspective on innovation is knowing that if, if a team isn't happy, if a team's not working together, there's no way in the world you're going to be creating innovation and doing anything beyond barely surviving. And then you add this pressure that we're, we've got in our current world to that mix. It, it's potentially very explosive that it could backfire on a lot of business people, I feel. Uh, so great conversation thank you charlotte thank you hildy thank you so lovely to speak to you hildy. you as well wow i hope you enjoyed listening to those ideas so here's my challenge to you what are you going to change to improve your work relationships before you move on to the next thing on your list jot down some ideas 
and make a meaningful change today.